This is Adam Carricker on the ticket. Position right of the quarterback, out of the shotgun, first and 20, jailbreak screen in the air. It is tipped, it is intercepted by Carricker at the Missouri 21-yard line. Live from the heart of Lincoln, America, five-year NFL vet and All-American defensive lineman, Adam Carricker. Shotgun snap to average. He's got the left arm going, and now he's got a whole lot of Adam Carricker who rips him down inside the 25-yard line. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com, here's your host, Adam Carricker. Welcome, everybody, to Adam Carricker on The Ticket. Every Monday, noon to one, the fastest, the fastest hour in radio each and every week. And I know what you're thinking if you're watching me on YouTube. Holy cow. Adam, when's the last time you've shaved? You're growing a beard. I shaved it like six this morning. I, I just can't help it. This is what happens. I'll tell you what I don't like. I don't like that there's not just brown in there. It used to be a little bit of red. I'm not, a, I'm not a natural redhead, but it used to come out. But now there's, what is this white crap? What is that? Uh, I'm a, I turned 39 over the weekend, so I'm not quite 40. Uh, my grandpa used to say you're not old until you're 80. So I'm far from being old, so to speak, for my grandpa's words. You know, I got another year until I, I don't know, when are you, when are you officially middle-aged? Is it 40, 50, whatever the case may be? Is it when the gray hairs, there's more gray hairs than non-gray hairs? How does that work? Um, my wife got on me for not shaving. I will shave. It's had a lot of fun this weekend over the birthday weekend. Thank you for everyone who took the time to wish me kind birthday wishes. As a true youth sports parent, I spent the entire weekend at baseball games, softball games, soccer games. My wife's team won their championship. They're one of the best teams in the state. So congratulations to them. Also shout out to my wife, Angie. She's been nominated for soccer coach of the year as well. She's phenomenally phenomenal at what she does as well as being the CEO of the character household. Now really quick, I've got a pretty awesome guest ready to come on. Mr. Vershawn Jackson, the captain himself. But before I bring him on, I want to give you a rundown of today's show we got a lot of stuff to cover to talk about of course i want to talk about the tight end room with mr Vershawn jackson nobody understands that room better than he does i want to talk about the running back room i want to talk about the three main guys of course there's other guys in that room i love always seeing the guys who surprise everybody and step up and earn a starting job and or playing time throughout the season but i want to talk about the running backs a little bit more in depth at least the top three names that are out there right now then colorado I mean, what what are they? I I don't know whether to be shocked, amazed, impressed, uh, horrified by what Dion's doing out there in Colorado. I mean, when you go one and eleven the year before, anything you do has got to be better. I want to talk about that, but I also want to talk about how are they going to be able to find team chemistry with all these new guys? They're going to have anywhere from seventy-five to eighty new scholarship guys. You have eighty-five guys on scholarship per every per the rules in the NCAA right now, so that's like a ninety percent. Uh, turnover rate as far as just their scholarship guys but how does that also show Husker fans hey if they're trying to do something similar in Colorado well I don't know if anything's similar to that but we're bringing in some new guys here as well probably going to have a new starting quarterback in Jeff Sims this year how can the Huskers gel all right comparatively speaking and then one of the best to ever do it here at the University of Nebraska Neil Smith his son committed to the University of Nebraska over the weekend Mr. Keelan Smith we want to chat about that as well and a story that i may or may not have shared uh pertaining to neil smith i think i've shared it one time here before but if i haven't i'll share it for the first time if i shared it before it'll be the second time because that's how that works but before i dive into mr vershawn jackson 
All right. I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, GE Landscape and Supply in Lincoln. All right. Sells to homeowners and contract contractors with a vast selection of landscaping and construction materials. They sell in bulk to save you money. All right. Buy anything from a five gallon bucket to a semi load. They deliver anywhere. And if you mention you heard this ad on 93.7, the ticket, they'll deliver in town for free. Just drop my name, ladies and gentlemen. I'll help you out a little bit there. All right, through the month of April, that is. All right, some restrictions do apply, but go to gelandscapesupply.com for more info or call 402-467-1627. Also, send in any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts you may have. All right, as always, text 402-464-402-464-5685, and I will try to get to as many of your questions as I can here on the Fastest Hour in Radio each and every week. Adam Carricker on the ticket noon to one have lunch with me each and every monday but i want to bring on my guest mr vershawn jackson how are you doing my friend i'm doing well big fella looks like you're doing all right looks like you're back in the weight room well you can only see me from the neck up so you must be referring to my enormous neck and or trap area i mean it's it's not what it used to be let's be honest but i'm trying to get back there. i'm trying to get to your level how how are you i saw your 400 meter dash I noticed they didn't show the ambulance off to the side that was at the ready, but I saw your 400-meter dash. How did that go, my friend? I mean, it went good. It went well. I beat Nick's time of 125. And I did it in 121. It made me feel good to be 48 years old and be able to even complete a 400. So, you know, I, I think, you know, with proper training, you know, you can do anything you set your mind to do. I have a dog. I'm, I'm not well-versed in track. I don't know. On Wikipedia, used to say that I boxed at Nebraska Wesleyan at one point. I don't know if they ever got that changed because that is not true and kind of ridiculous that I would do a sport at two different universities. But also said I was a long jump champion in high school. Equally ridiculous. Never done a millisecond of track in my life. But my sixth grade daughter's doing track. And I tell you what, she loves the 100, the 200, the long jump. But the first time she did the 400 meter, she hit about 300. And you could just see the look on her face like, oh, my God, this is a lot harder. And there's a lot more left in front of me that I had anticipated do the 400 and the 800 could be the two most brutal races in all of track. So I thought you looked pretty impressive doing that. And I wanted to let you know that. Well, big fella, I appreciate it. And that, that, those are the two most grueling races, I think, because you, you gotta be smart when you're running a 400. The last thing you ever want to do is, is start fast because if you start as fast as you can, it's going to do exactly what your daughter did. Once you get to the 300, the, lact- the lactic acid's going to build up. And before <laughs> you know it, it's going to be hard to finish that last 100. So you got you to gotta start out and finish at the same rate of speed at least and have something left in the tank just in case it's a foot race. Well, I thought that was pretty impressive. Go check out that video of Rashawn doing the 400-meter dash. All right, if you haven't done so yet. And a quick shout-out to my daughter, Addison. She actually qualified for nationals. As a sixth grader, uh, she's competing with seventh and eighth graders. And the 100-200 did not make it in long jump, but she's going to continue to work on that. She has dropped the 400, and now she's doing the four-by-one relay with three of her good friends. But, Rashawn, I brought you on. There's no better guy in the state of Nebraska, probably the Midwest, probably planet Earth, to talk to about tight ends. All right, our tight end room here at the University of Nebraska, is la-o-dead with talent. No, I didn't break up. I don't know why I chose to say it that way, but I did. La-o-dead. Loaded. All right, we have the number one tight end 
in the 2021 recruiting class, six foot six, Thomas Fedoni, right here locally in Nebraska. And you got Eric Gilbert, the number one tight end in the 2020 class, top five overall recruit in general, two time national champ at Georgia in this room. So I want to talk to you about those two guys, but then you watch the spring game. Okay, Eric had a couple of drops. I believe Fedoni had one catch, and Matt Rules talked about his work ethic, and you can see that Fedoni is motivated. You can see he is motivated. I love that. But the guy who actually led all, I'm just going to call him pass catchers, in receptions, okay, was actually a walk-on named Nate Berkisher. So my question is this. What are your thoughts on this tight end room, and who ultimately is going to end up starting come that first game in your way-too-early prediction right here, right now? Uh, you you got to give the nod to Nate. Um, I, I'm not as big on the tight end room probably as you think, and probably okay. you are. I think we do. We are loaded with talent, but you said how big was the 2021 best tight end? Six six. Uh, Tom, Thomas Fedoni, six six, and he's listed at two thirty five. Now let me ask you something, big fella. At the height of your career, you were how much? Uh, 290, 295. 290, 295. Do you think that he could block you? Well, I don't think anybody could block me. I don't think anybody could block me, but I would have a significant weight advantage. Yes. That's all all I'm saying. I love Fedoni. I think he's got to put more weight on, though. He has got to use this offseason to put on 20 pounds of muscle. Because when you're dealing with the Adam characters of the world, when you're dealing with these defensive ends that have got great motors, but they've got great body leverage, he's going to have to deal with that in the Big Ten. I thought we did not block well as a tight end group in the spring game. That we've got to get better blocking. Now, I thought Fedoni did, did, did a decent job blocking, but Again, he's tall. He's 6'6", so his body lead and leverage has got to be good every single time in order to set the edge. What we haven't seen in Nebraska in a long time is tight ends setting the edge, being able to run sweeps, being able to run pitches, anything that will attack the outside corners of a defense. And when I, and I, when I say that, I don't mean the cornerbacks. I mean those defensive ends and things where you can pop something and go – Yard. The big guy, Gilbert, I, I thought that he did a great job in his route running. But then when it came to catching, it, was, it wasn't too good for him. He didn't have a good day at all catching the ball. And I, I, I did not see him in a lot of blocking formations where he was in. Like, like when he caught those balls or, or with the balls that he dropped, it seemed to me that he was flexed out. If I've got a guy that looks like that, that's a monster in his pads, that can run, I want him to start on the inside destroying stuff. Now, here's what I'll tell you, Adam. I think Coach Rule is way smarter than we're giving him credit for. I think he played guys out of position. Now, when I say that, I mean, you didn't see all those receivers, that the top three guys that are on the same team at one time. And so I think that... Tight end room has got to get better from a standpoint of blocking at the point of attack. And if I would love to see if you put Gilbert out there flexed out, let's run a, a quick a quick hitter, you know, with, with one of those little fleeks 
or, or throw a screen pass out there or, you know, a swing pass where basically you're getting your running back with the big fella out there blocking. It's interesting when you talk about uh, setting the edge. Essentially what you're talking about is pinning the outside defender a four in a 4-3, it's a defensive end, and a 3-4, it's that outside backer, pinning him inside so you can get outside and get big runs. It's interesting because yep. from my perspective, I, I've heard setting the edge a million times as my life as a D-end. I want to set the edge as in I want to be outside and I want to be knocking the edge blocker or outside blocker backwards, okay? And so for me, that is something that is imperative, as you talked about, something we have not done successfully in a while. And it's something that's challenging because most times a 4-3 DN like myself or an outside backer in a 3-4, they're lined up outside. And so it's hard to overtake them unless you catch them off guard or unless you just straight up want it more than them because we're lined up out there for a reason because it's very important that we set the edge. So it's challenging. It was not lost on me that, you know, at one point, Eric Gilbert, and I forget if it was LSU or Georgia, he was actually moved to wide receiver. This dude looks like a top five draft pick, but does he want to block like a starting tight end on any team is I think what you're getting at. And you look at Thomas Fedoni, he does need to put a little bit of weight on. My question for you is this, because what grabs headlines is a little bit different than what coaches look for when it comes to playtime and starters. When people, and I'm just going to grab some names that everybody knows. It keeps it easy and simple. Travis Kelsey. Everybody talks about his catching, not so much his blocking. Tony Gonzalez back in the day, his catching, not so much his blocking. So my question to you is what is more important to you from a tight end, to be a better blocker first or a pass catcher first? I, I would say blocker first. I mean, the, the, the greats were everything. Uh, Tony, I played with Tony Gonzalez at Kansas City. And let me tell you something. You talk about a guy who had an uh, intense desire to get you blocked. And if not, if he didn't block you, he at least shielded you so you wasn't able to make the play. If you went up the field, if you were, you know, if he knew where the play was going, he knew exactly, he'd invite you up the field. Guys that understand where the ball is going and that I don't have to necessarily get a great block on you, I just have to get a good block on you long enough, a split second. You know as well as I do, Adam. In the NFL, things happen ah, in a second. That hole will open and close for a running back in a millisecond. If he's not, if he doesn't got his butt through that hole, it's over with. And so I think being a blocker, I'll say 60-40 for the great ones. If you are going to have a great running back, look at Jay Novacek. Jay Novacek was a great pass catcher. But if you go and look at Jay Novacek in the run game and understand who was Jay Novacek blocking for, who was that running back? Was it Emmitt Smith? It was Emmitt Smith, yep. How many yards did Emmitt Smith have from scrimmage? You know? (laughs) So when I look at that, the tight ends set the edge. They help the tackles, right? Okay, so... When you think tight end, a tight end is so dynamic in the blocking game that a tight end can literally block on one side five different positions. He can go from going against the D end to doubling the D tackle 
to blocking the coming down on the middle backer to bubbling out on the outside backer to blocking the force the the rover to blocking the safety to going to get the corner. So if you got a guy like that that understands a running scheme, when one guy leaves and you go down, a tight end understands, hey, my guy took himself out to play. Instead of chasing that guy around, go to the next level and get the next guy. When you get that guy, that tight end, I think you'll start to get a different perspective of player from the tight end. And we will start to not only set the edge, but dominate the line of scrimmage, and the edge will be ours. Because those big runs, I'm telling you, come from outside plays. You make a great point. Because most times, tight ends don't weigh as much as the guys they're trying to block. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. tight ends are 240, 250, maybe 260. You know, I think Gronk was maybe 270. But a lot of times those ends, they're 270, 280. Sometimes they're lighter if they're outside backers in a 3-4. Some of the best blockers as tight ends I've ever seen were incredibly smart position blockers. They knew how to get, like you said, they knew how to get their body in the right spot, even though they may not be able to overpower a lot of the ends. And sometimes there's big tight ends. Those guys are usually just glorified offensive linemen that come in in short yardage situations. But they just knew how to get their body in the right spot to get your body out of the right spot, and then the running back would hit it. And before you knew it, you were out of your gap. Your D-line coach was ripping into you like a monkey on a cupcake, and the tight end was jogging back smiling. And so you make a great point with that, okay? It's not always about just trying to overpower somebody. If you're not quite as big as they are, it's being smarter, and it's being able to position block and get your body in the right position. Now, if you can just overpower them, obviously that's phenomenal as well. So, hey, man, I've been trying to get you on for a couple of weeks. You played a major role in me just being on the ticket. You were the first one to reach out to me. So I've been wanting to have you on the guest for as, as a guest on the show for a while. So thank you for joining me, my friend. Hey, man, appreciate you having me, Big Adam, man, and enjoy the show. And we got some great weather, man. Go Big Red. All right. Thank you, Rashawn. I'll have him on the show, of course, again at some point in the near future as well. And as Rashawn was, was, was chatting, it was interesting. Two stories popped into my head. When I was with the Rams, and I'm not – I'm just going to share the story. I know Dominique. He wouldn't mind me sharing. He'd laugh himself. Okay, Dominique Bird was an insanely talented tight end from USC who was drafted the year before I was to the St. Louis Rams, back when the Rams were in St. Louis. And when I, when I got to camp, my first training camp, they started talking about the Bird rule, the Bird rule. I'm like, what is the Bird rule? Are we, we're walking around flipping each other off. Well, what does that mean? It meant that if Dominique Bird blocked you as a defensive end and by then they'd move me to nose guard so I I hardly ever dealt with Dominique but if he blocked you you had an immediate down and back of the whole field okay because he was a great pass catcher how do I put this not great blocker and so we had what was called the bird rule if he blocked you you immediately just ran and you know Dominique was a great dude he would laugh if he if he knew I shared that story but that was called the bird rule. I'd never heard of the bird rule before in my life until then. And another story, it was the year the Super Bowl was in New York. I could be wrong. I think that was um, Broncos versus Seahawks, where the Seahawks kind of slaughtered the Broncos, so to speak. I might be mistaken, but I think I'm correct on that. 
Somebody text me and correct me if I'm wrong. And the ESPN party earlier that week was either Wednesday or Thursday night. Uh, I was going to the party and I was waiting in line like, you know, everyone else, all the other mere mortals. And here comes Tony Gonzalez. Speaking of Tony Gonzalez, he walks right by everybody. Okay. As you know, one of the greats of all time is most likely going to be able to do in just about any situation related to the NFL. And they wouldn't let him in. He was furious. He was like furious and not like a jerk kind of way, but like, I know a lot of people in there type, type way. What's the deal? And it was funny because while he was waiting, he shook everybody's hand. He was perfectly friendly. And he was like, you know, I'll just go to the back of the line. We're all like, no, if you know somebody, go on in. But it was so funny um, just to kind of see how he interacted and he reacted because, you know, a lot of guys could have thrown a big fit. He was mad at first, but then ultimately he just kind of chuckled, laughed, and then just honestly signed a lot of autographs, took a lot of pictures with everybody. He turned out to be, at least in that moment in time, pretty good dude. The only interaction I've ever had with Tony Gonzalez directly, but he was a pretty good dude. All right, so the rest of this show, I want to chat about, like I mentioned, the running backs, the RBs, at least the top three that stick out in my mind at this moment in time. That can obviously change. All right, Colorado, they're basically trading their entire football team for a different football team from players from other football teams. It's actually kind of fun to watch, very entertaining. Okay, and then Keelan Smith, who just committed... Neil Smith's son, who just committed to the Huskers over the weekend. Now, when you look at these running backs, it's interesting. The top three that stick out to me. And Matt Rule talked about Gabe Irvin in the offseason. If you remember, before he got hurt a couple of years ago, he was, and think about this. Think about all the great running backs that have come through the University of Nebraska. It's, it's a long list. Might as well, I mean, if I tried to list them all, we'd be here probably till the end of the show. But he was the first running back in the University of Nebraska football history to start his first game as a true freshman. Ended up getting hurt a few games into the season. Okay, last year played sparingly at times, but clearly has impressed Coach Rule over the offseason. This is a guy, six foot, 220 pounds, young guy, sophomore. He's got the speed combined with the power. And something tells me he's probably going to be our starting running back. But what I like about this, you know, and A.J. Allen transferring, you know, he was a young, talented guy. But like I mentioned last week right here on this show, it was only one ball. And sometimes when you got too many people who want it, it can create more issues. And so what this does is it's going to give the talented guys we already have the ball more often, which could, silver lining, potentially be better. Because then you look at Anthony Grant. Number one junior college running back in the country. He was our leading rusher a year ago. This is a, a guy with explosiveness everywhere you look. All right. He, he's, he's just an explosive, fast individual. I know he had, a, you know, he was suspended very briefly at the beginning of camp. So hopefully him and Coach Rule are more on the same page at this point in time than they were then. All right. And I'm sure that will happen more and more as time goes along. But this is a guy you can put back as a returner as well. He's going to make and break big plays. You look at a guy like Ramir Johnson with legit track speed. I wrote down, all right, talking about track, he ran the 100-meter dash in 10.5 and the 221.46. That's some pretty good speed. He was by far one of the, by absolutely one of the fastest kids in his state, okay, when he was in high school. He brings legit track speed. The guy, 5'10", 180 pounds. So you've got a 220-pound just physical runner and Gabe. You got Anthony, who's kind of in the middle, who, who can be your bell cow if he needs, just like he showed a year ago. Hopefully he gets better blocking consistently. 
than he did a season ago. Uh, and then Ramir Johnson, a guy who what was it two, three years ago when he had to step in, maybe even been the COVID season in 2020, when he had to step in for a few games and he showed what he could do. You've got guys that can be physical. You've got uh, a speed guy and Ramir Johnson. You got Anthony who can do just about anything. You got guys you can rotate them and keep them fresh. If somebody gets banged up, okay, you still got two backs there. And that's if nobody else steps up in that running back room. And I'm hoping somebody else does just in case we need them. And you can always put these guys. I'm a big fan of putting running backs back as returners, especially if you got a loaded running back room. Now, I don't know if they're going to do that. More so on kickoff returns, you need someone who's definitely not the running backs can't, but who's definitely going to catch that punt because those punts kind of wobble back and forth like a knuckleball in the air. They're a little bit more challenging to catch. Okay. So I'm excited about this running backs room. To put a button on the tight ends room, I love what Verjean said. If you notice, I've talked about how talented the tight end room is. I waited to give thoughts on the tight end room because I wanted Vershawn to give them. We need people who are going to block first, especially if we want to run the football. You've got to be able to block, even if it's position blocking, outsmarting blocking. If you can just dominate blocking, that's phenomenally phenomenal as well if you can get that out of your tight ends. More often than not, you can't because they're trying to catch and block, which is hard to do. But you got to have someone who can create a corner, pin the edge defender, pin them outside if you're trying to run power or counter or some sort of inside run. I don't care if it's fullback trap, whatever the case may be. we got to be able to block first. Then hopefully someone can catch the football when it's thrown their way. We will be right back, right, easy for me to say, right back, B-A-C-K, after this break. 